Here it is. Here we go. Here's the intro. Doing it. Now, you got to really psych yourself up to do these things. Whew. Mm. Why can't I think of anything to say that would be smart and funny? Yeah, hi, folks. We're back with a great new episode here. My friend Andrew Jones in the flesh. We have been friends for almost 25 years, a quarter of a freaking century. Amazing. We are like centurions, quarter centurions. And um, that's our friendship is that. Our friendship is old enough to rent a car. And um, he's going to be the first repeat guests that I've had on the show. How about that? You could check out early show with him and Rory Connell, and that's the raccoon episode. Andrew and I wanted to, um, you know, talk about, I think, some, like, tying up loose ends and maybe even uh, creating new ones to be figured out at a later date. Andrew is a very sweet, kind, wonderful friend. He is very wonderful. He's a great guy. And I'm really appreciative to have him as a friend for so long. I love that he is a traveler. He likes to travel. And that really comes down to he comes to visit more than a lot of other friends back east you know who you are you should all be ashamed for not visiting me out here makes me sick makes me want to borf so let's ride these headwaters together see where the sea takes us in this conversation i'm sure we're going to talk about some of those last shows of the dr dog in 2021 the last tour and um you know, just fill in some of the blanks from the big story of our lives, the the soap opera. We're going to lather ourselves up with our stories. <laughs> Scrub-a-dub-dub. Now a moment of silence. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm listening to the radio in the stations that are broadcasting, something will happen ultimately and there'll be the gap, you know, the Mm -hmm. silent gap. Yeah, the dead air. I think it's six seconds is the the, like legal limit or something. Six or seven seconds. You're like not supposed to have more than that. Yeah, you can't have more than that. And, uh, it's always like, ooh, what's going to happen? What yeah. are they doing? But here we can do whatever. We can yeah. do like many silent moments. Yeah. Just, just let people reflect yeah. on their life <laughs> as, we're, as uh, we're talking about ours. And yeah. maybe some things that they were involved with. Sure. <laughs> we're holding up the mirror to them. 
We're holding up the microphone to their <laughs> memories. Yeah. That's what we're doing here. And society. And society. We're holding up a microphone to society. <laughs> and it's a good microphone. It's a nice mic. It's a good mic to hold up to because people need to have that. They need to have that reflection. And for the record, on the record. Yeah. On the record. That's what we've done. That's what we've done here in this show. And it's really exciting that we're doing it again. That you are my first repeat guest. My I'm first honored. repeat friend. <laughs> <laughs> double friend. <laughs> we were double dipping. We're double dipping here. And uh, and you're also the first in-person podcast since since Toby this past summer when I was yeah. visiting. But now, where are we? Where are we at, Andrew? Tucson. <laughs> Tucson, Arizona. We Your are. Side yard. Yeah, I'm in the side yard here, where there's Dunbar been Spring. Dunbar Spring, Tucson, Arizona, the end of February, mm-hmm. 2022, and um, it's nice out. It's really nice. It's really nice out. Feels good. It's good to get out of the winter back east. Yeah, Philadelphia is cold right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a winter beast east. Mm-hmm. Winter east beast, <laughs> and and there's a hummingbird that keeps coming by. Yeah, that's like great. just really wanting to get involved in everything we've done. It's the friendliest hummingbird I've ever met. Yeah. I was just wondering if it's like maybe a, one of my old dead relatives that's like coming to check in. Maybe it's just, all of them. It could be all They're of them all in one bird. Inside <laughs> one tiny hummingbird. <laughs> it's not very roomy in there. Oh my gosh. A lot of space. You crack it open and just all every <laughs> spirit flies out every which way. And uh Yeah. It's great. So you've been here a few days now. It's been really fun hanging out. And we've, yeah. we've kind of had this planned for a little bit, but mm-hmm. it was like, well, we're, we're just going to be relaxed about this. You know, yeah. there's no pressure. There's yeah. nothing. Maybe we record a podcast. Maybe some mics happen to get set up. Yeah. And we happen to record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps that's going to happen. And it did. And here it is. We yeah. did it. We're, we're making this dream a reality. And, um, and it's it's fun. It's like it gives us a chance to hang out and create something together. Definitely, it's super a m- fun moment in time that we're going to capture here mm-hmm. without being too forceful or heavy handed mm-hmm. about things. Because that's something we, you know, I was talking about earlier. Like when um, there's podcasts and the the hosts uh, guests, just it's like really like ram jamming you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, I like it when it's just. Just very easy, you know, yeah. just kind of relaxed, conversational. conversational, not too stressful or mm-hmm. strenuous. You know, I, there's not, you don't have to like anything. There's nothing to subscribe to. <laughs> you don't <laughs> have to click any links. You don't have to click on anything. There's nothing you had to do. All you had to do was just press play. Yeah. And we'll take care of the rest for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice if that's all it was in life? You yeah. just wake up in the morning, you get yeah. out of bed, and there's a play button next to your bed. <laughs> you hit play. Yeah, everything just happens. And then that's it. Oh, off and running. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I don't have to worry about the day. I don't have to like deal with bills or meetings or anything like that. Sure. I hit the play button. Sounds great. It's the rest. And then I go to sleep. Right before I go to sleep, I can just hit... <laughs> just- pause you pause it you don't want to stop morning. because 
It, yeah. It, it, <laughs> and the tape could break. <laughs> the tape could break, and then... You have to, like, wind it with your hand. <laughs> All your... It would just be, like, pouring out of you spools <laughs> of real, real tape out of yeah. your belly. We don't want Heart. that. Mm-mm. No, that's actually... You think when you go to the doctor, it's they're listening to your heartbeat, but it's mm-hmm. actually the your inner real-to-real tape. spools of tape. Spools of memories yeah. and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a spool sample. <laughs> they oh, do boy. have to take a spool sample at some point. <laughs> Not pleasant. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we <laughs> And this is also fun. I'm going to just make a little shout out here cuz I'm very proud of your wife. You're here yeah. coming to visit because Eliza mm-hmm. Hardy Jones, you yeah. can listen to her podcast earlier on before she was in War on Drugs. Yeah, she's got a new new gig playing with the War on Drugs. Great band, great Philly band now. Oh, yeah. National and international superstars. Yeah. They rule. She rules. Yeah. She sounds great in that band. Go see them live. Yes. Not that they need me to promote <laughs> well, them, but they're doing you know, all right. <laughs> you know, somebody might never, maybe they never heard of them. And they're yeah. like, okay. Yeah, and check out the War on Drugs. My brother, Elliot, had never heard them before I played them for him yesterday he was yeah. like yeah this is good it's good like, yeah exactly right great <laughs> it's, it's good it's good <laughs> it's good yeah so it's fun because you're going up to see their their last leg of the tour in uh, tempe yep last last show of the tour is in tempe at the innings festival yeah it should be fun yeah it's good you like baseball you go to yeah this is the merges yeah the, maybe there'll be some weird worlds. ex-baseball <laughs> players who <laughs> You meet them in real life and realize you should never have been rooting for them to begin with. <laughs> That's we were talking about that in the drive the other day about celebrities and like yeah yeah you shouldn't think they're your buddies yeah, yeah. and sometimes you'll meet them and they'll be really great and mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be like I really should not have thought that person was my buddy <laughs> they weren't my buddy they're just a person they're a person and maybe have... a very weird person. They might be very, very strange. They're living in a whole different yeah It'll zone. Warp your brain, yeah. Kind of life, yeah. It's it is interesting because the question I was having was like, is is it is everybody just kind of tired of <laughs> celebrities and like yeah? Have the, we had enough movies and stuff? You know, <laughs> I be, and here's for me. This is coming from someone who actually loves celebrities. I yeah. love like meeting. I've met a lot of celebrities in mm-hmm. my life, and. um you know, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's a cool thing. But I'm also just a little like burned out on it. Mm-hmm. I think just like yeah. all the, the interviews and the you know all the movies just seems. Yes, but I don't know if everyone else is. I'm kind of like, well, maybe that's just where I'm at right now in life, and yeah, change or yeah, maybe with the internet, you just got so much information available to you that you're just like, I never need to hear anything about a celebrity ever again. Yeah. When you could only, when before you could only like get it from People Magazine, it's like, oh, there's Meg Ryan getting groceries. She's just like me. (laughs) And now it's just like there are 50 websites that have like hidden cameras in their houses at all times. (laughs) It's like, all right, I don't need to know anything about what Meg Ryan's doing. Yeah. Where's Meg Ryan? (laughs) I actually kind of do want to know what Meg Ryan is doing. (laughs) I would love to know what Meg Ryan's up to right now. I'm going to pause the episode so we can go look. Yeah, we'll go that closed circuit camera that (laughs) somebody has in Meg Ryan's backyard. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was going to say the shutters. Celebrity painting the shutters. Celebrity toilets. <laughs> Toilet cam. Oh, it's terrible. God. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> that's in, that's invasion of privacy. Yeah, that's not legal. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but we were also talking about. Jeez, just got. <laughs> <laughs> just got buzzed. We just got buzzed. The bees have been following us. They've been really following us. We went out to eat yesterday, and we were literally getting bombarded. They were like pelting off of that my was a face. Lot of bees. There was so many bees, and we weren't doing anything to provoke them. And I love my pollinators. But yeah. at one point, one bee came over. And I trapped it in my my drink full of ice. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, you're just going to stay there till we're done eating." Yeah. And he just and like we'll he was buzzing around. I woke up in the middle of the night last night, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I, f- I forgot to take the bee out. Mm-hmm. And I was really upset. Yeah. And so you came over earlier, and I said, Andrew, I, had, I woke up, and you're like, I actually let him out when I we did. were leaving. I did. I freed that bee at the end of our meal. <sighs> Free bee. Glad I did. Yeah, I am, too. I am, too, because I didn't want him We've to We've got be. nothing against that bee. No, just no. just didn't want it to sting us while just we were eating our food. want to take a leisurely meal together as friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not have to... Go into anaphylactic shock from, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and so we were we were also talking about this idea, just like full disclosure for everybody, our plan mm-hmm. was, um, and and this was not me prompting this. No, this was my idea entirely. Okay, what's the idea? I want to interview you. I want you to get so. Bradford has done these episodes as you know people who are listening probably have listened to some other episodes a bunch of them have been about our kind of formative years making music in Westchester PA and Philadelphia PA and all the different bands uh, Raccoon and Unleash the Bastards and uh, Dr. Dog and The Teeth and all of these great bands Um, but You've been interviewing everybody, so I feel like you haven't had your chance to tell your story about your progression through the world and how you kind of popped up. A a few of us, uh, some of the central characters in those bands, had known each other since high school, Mm. and then we met you in when we all got to college. And yeah, you just you need your your time on on the witness stand. This dog's gonna have its day. Yeah, <laughs> the sun's gonna shine on this dog's butt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I w- I liked this idea. I liked it because it'll be really fun. Yeah, you know, I think I think it'd be fun. It's kind of a way to uh, fill in the gaps mm-hmm. if if there are. And any. there's a lot of stuff I don't know. We've been great friends for a really long time, but yeah. I didn't know you in high school. So there's some yeah. stuff. There's some stuff I want to know. Yeah, nothing too probing. Days. I yeah, we probe too deeply. Alien probe <laughs> up the uh, soft areas. <laughs> probe up the UFO. Yeah, my UFO. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's the bird again, the hummingbird. Yeah. yeah, I think that's. I think that's good. I think I can. I can dig that. Yeah. And um, and really just. Uh, this would have been a great chance to have a call-in portion. I really wanted to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. That would have taken, for me, it would have, these days it would have taken immense planning. Yeah. To be like, okay, on this Saturday, when yeah. we're, you know, between you know yeah. Eastern Pacific time, 
Call it's in. Like, it's like the Mr. Show sketch of the, the pre-taped <laughs> call-in show. It's like, no, this week we're talking about agriculture subsidies. It was last week. You're calling in. You don't understand. We, we pre-tape. And he just keeps hanging up. And then the next video, the, like Infinity Cam, just yeah. keeps going. <laughs> oh. Oh. But yeah, it's, um, it's going to be fun. Because yeah. we get to talk about the old days and, and mm-hmm. recent times, too. Yeah. Because um, we do want to also talk about, like, wrapping, we're saying wrapping a bow kind of on yeah. the end uh, of the Dr. Dog tour in, yes. the, in the last shows. Yeah. yeah, I attended three, I attended the last three Dr. Dog shows. Yeah. Um, they did five, the last five in Philadelphia. I kind of regret not just going to all five of them. <laughs> I should have just done that. As a collector now, you it's incomplete. You'll I know. Never have the... <laughs> I thought like, well, three is a lot. Yeah. By the third one, I'll probably be like, have had enough, but I definitely didn't. It was yeah. the next night and I was like, it's kind of weird. I'm not going to see Dr. Dog again tonight. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, so there's a little bit of uh, kind of putting a bow on that with Dr. Dog wrapping up their touring mm-hmm. career. Yeah. And you've, you didn't talk to uh, everybody from back then because that would be impossible. But yeah, you did. It got to the point where like you talked to Rory and I and then you talked to mm-hmm. Toby and you talked to Scott. So yeah, there were some raccoon stories where we got like the full Rashomon treatment <laughs> of them where like multiple perspectives were told. Yes. Um, but again, like I, I, I want to hear a little bit more of, of the Bradford Trojan <sighs> version of events. Yeah. Um, do you all want to hear that out there? I heard a lot of yeses. I heard yeses. I audience. see a lot of hands raised. <laughs> the hummingbird seems into it. <laughs> yep. The Gila woodpecker. The ant colony and the termite, <laughs> termites in the, <laughs> up there in the, yeah. in the, the rafters and the eaves. Um, yeah, I think this is kind of an interesting, uh, like you said, the Rashomon mm-hmm. treatment, because there, there is always going to be, um, the, the, the different perspectives, the different viewpoints and our history mm-hmm. and our drunk history yeah and high history mm-hmm. and sober history yeah a lot of different histories yeah i'd say for the two of us more sober histories. than some of our other friends more sober for sure we, we've had our sober more sober moments than yeah some of our pals but yeah yeah because i only started the first time i got high was um here, I'm going to just admit it here. Here yeah. we go. Yeah, your Bill Clinton moment. <laughs> this is my Bill Clinton, uh, Bubba. This is Bubba's moment here. Um, I never had <laughs> any relations with anything. With Scott McMicken. With Scott McMicken. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the first time I remember getting high was at um, the house in Bainbridge when I lived oh, at okay. uh, 3rd and Bainbridge. Yeah. Right off South mm-hmm. Street. Jeff Kelly. Jeff Kelly, Eric Realstone. Yeah. Jen, his, his girlfriend Jen. Mm-hmm. Marty and lived in the Marty was cubby Marty Zinkel above the cubby stairs, space of the stairs, which was amazing. It was this like he had just come back and was kind of floating <laughs> around from college, and I was like, "Come stay in the city." Sometimes I need. There was this. When you say he had just come back with Marty, that didn't mean anything. <laughs> just come back from an experience. Oh, there was an experience. Man, Marty's the best. I love you, Marty. You're the best. We were talking about you the other day so good yeah positive things and um but yeah there was this like raft i don't know if we talked about a marty show but there was a rafter Mm -hmm. thing that you'd have to 
I guess he could have gotten a chair, but for some reason he didn't. Sure, and he you have to pull himself up into this up. above yeah. the bathroom from my room and 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 go into this basically like box yeah, um, it closet seemed, seemed above for storage, just could, a little yeah, shelf, just above a shelf the steps that was for storage. But yeah. you could fit a human in to sleep, <laughs> and he did. Yeah, so he'd like sleep in there, and then all of a sudden, you know, late morning would thing would open, and he'd be there and just top mm-hmm. down and that was it, it was yeah like, was and toby just... did a similar thing toby had the yes the closet bedroom yes we moved into your apartment on marty's uh, yeah marty's apartment another different yeah different yeah. apartment yeah, on 46th street in west philadelphia and it was a two-bedroom so it was toby scott and i moving from fairmount to 46th street yeah so the plan was so Toby was doing an apprenticeship in York, PA, so he was only going to be there part of the time. Um, and his girlfriend at the time, now wife, Sarah, lived in Philadelphia, so he could stay there some. So it was like he's like, no, I'll be fine. I'll just be in the closet. It was just wide enough to fit yeah. a, like a twin bed mattress in. <laughs> it's not great. He should, you don't want to live in a closet. No, you don't. We were young. We we did a lot of living situations that weren't ideal. But yeah, it was, you know, in hindsight, it was all great. Every decision was the right decision. It was. <laughs> Every stupid thing we did was actually really brilliant <laughs> and the totally right thing to do. And there was a lot of uh, conceptual yeah. movements throughout. Yeah, we were doing kind of conceptual art. So Conceptual living. Being conceptual like, about your life seemed appropriate, yes. but then you would wake up in total darkness <laughs> at noon and realize this, this concept was great, but I'm turning into a mole person. <laughs> I'm one step away from Chud. <laughs> um yeah, there was there was uh, there was a lot of that just shuffling around, and mm-hmm. you know, it's there's kind of this this thing that has happened. I know in some of the other episodes where it has been almost for some of the guests like uh, a not a confessional, but a, yeah. a way of like just you know tying up some loose ends because mm-hmm. there's for things sure. that I reflect on that I'm like, oh, I would wish I could have done that a little different. Yeah. But hey, man, I didn't. The know. episode you did with Scott, Scott yeah. was just like. I was mean to you because I didn't like you. <laughs> it's just like, wow, you guys are getting into it. That's great. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how deep we go. We'll see. We'll see how deep see it is. Plumb the depths. Yeah, deep uh, state mm-hmm. of mind. Yeah, we'll go into the deep state of mind. Of mind. And it's uh, yeah, and and you know, knowing that it's like how different you are as a person from back then. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild, and it not is. everyone I think has those those movements and long journey throughout. You know, yeah, the we've time had periods, but... such long friendships with each other, yeah. and there have been stages to them of living with someone or being in a band with someone where your relationship is so much more intense and so much more fraught. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> since since I have not been in a band with. Toby and Scott it's just like our friendships are just really lovely and you know yeah. like I see Toby and it brings me nothing but joy yeah but it would be dishonest to say like I loved I felt great about him every second <laughs> that we were in oh. bands together and living together oh well maybe you know Toby is pretty great so yeah. I, I think that's not it's mostly pretty true that I felt great about him throughout but yeah but there is just more dynamic 
to it, it's a lot easier to just be friends with somebody than to live with them and and be in a band with them and be friends with them all at the same time and try to balance those different things. Yeah. Being and, a, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was going to say, and, and this like Dr. Dog wrapping up, they're, they're not breaking up, but they're wrapping up their, the touring portion of their career. It does feel like a time to kind of look back. And that always felt like a bit of my musical legacy, even when I wasn't in the band anymore. It was kind of like, well, you know, like a little bit of me, like planting a seed or two here or there and, and helping cultivate a little bit in the early days. So I did, I felt kind of a, a, a certain pride in that. And those last shows, I just felt like so proud of how great they are. It was really a time to not be thinking about anything else other than just like, They've written so many incredible songs, and they're such a great band. Yeah. All of those shows, the sound was just perfect. They've got such a great crew now, and everything's dialed in. Mm. It was really, there were times I was getting really emotional, in part just because great music affects you emotionally. Like, yeah. If they stunk my nostalgia wouldn't have been enough to get me there. But it's like, not only do I have this nostalgia, not only do I love these people, but also they're just making this great, emotionally evocative, really powerful music that's like pushing those buttons and just totally pushing me over the edge and make me yeah. cry like a little baby. I called you the day after we watched the live stream because I was, mm -hmm. I didn't fly yeah, back. I wanted to fly back. I yeah, so wanted to fly back. And at one of the shows, wouldn't have been the last one, but at one of the shows, uh, gone up and played Fuck It with them. Yeah, that'd be so fun. Which is a, a mm, I love that Dr. Yeah, Dog song. It's a classic. It's a classic, great song. Classic, unreleased song. Yeah. Live song only. One of the best. So good. And um, I called you the next day. It was New Year's Day. And just because I, like, I have to call a couple people. I talked to you and I talked to Sharon. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know, just to process a little yeah because it was it was a lot it was just like i was crying the next day yeah i was here a friend megan felanitas was out and we were just hanging out she's a goes way back with the band as well mm -hmm. and, and it's uh it was just like really emotional and i, yeah. I imagine being there and, and going yeah. through it all i can't imagine for them but being yeah, Eliza and I had flown out earlier in the tour. They did like yeah. the last tour, and Eliza yeah. and I had decided we really wanted to see them out of town somewhere. Yeah, and we have a lot of friends in LA, so we planned a trip to LA to catch the Doctor Dog show and see all of our friends there. And we were at the show, and they they played the song the pretender which is on easy beat which is like my era of that band when i was yeah. in the band and i yeah. loved playing that song That's i think that might be song. the very first song i learned to play i remember scott uh, like wrote in a <laughs> notebook yeah notes on a bunch of the songs for me to learn because i had to learn how to play them pretty quickly it was a fairly spur of the moment decision that I would be joining the band for a tour that was already scheduled <laughs> coming up really soon their first major to, it well, was the second. So Doug did the first My Morning, my Morning Jacket, Jacket tour, yes. yeah. but the second My Morning Jacket tour was scheduled, yeah. and they they didn't have. They were like talking about like who the new guitar player would be, and they because I was living with them, and 
they were like telling me who the candidates were and I was not into it, the candidates. I was like, no, I don't want this person to be in Dr. Dog. Because even though at that point I hadn't been in the band, it was still Toby and Scott who were like my, my best buddies. And yeah. I believed in them so much as musicians and like I wanted their band to always be the coolest thing. So I was just like, let me, I'll, I'll do this. Like yeah. I, even though I'd primarily been a bass player up until then, it's like, I can do this. I can be your rhythm guitar player yeah. for this tour. And then you can figure it out, find somebody who makes more sense long-term. And <clears throat> yeah, Scott just like gave me the notebook. And I think the pretender was the very first one. So Eliza and I were at that show and they started playing it and I just started crying. Like I didn't even really feel it coming until mm. I like felt the tears going down my cheeks. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, no, like what's going to happen in Philly <laughs> for those shows? Like, and then later, um, in that set in LA, Scott said something and I don't know if he meant me or he meant other people, but he was like, you know, we played a lot of shows in LA and they're actually like, some people here tonight who are really important to this band like mm. in like the early days and mm. and I just started crying again Eliza was like oh. I've never seen this happen to wow. you wow. and it was just I really mm. didn't I wasn't even thinking that that would happen at all for that LA show I was just like I've seen Dr. Dog 40 times yeah. and I played oh, probably a hundred or more shows with them yeah. when I was in the band. It's just like, it's a Dr. Dog show. It's it's going to be great, but it's just another Dr. Dog show. But I got really emotional there. So I just, for the Philly shows, I was kind of prepared. I was like, this is going to happen. Yeah. I brought tissues, like I brought a, <laughs> a handkerchief to, to wipe my eyes with. Um, and man, it was just so good. And yeah so just yeah. like my overall takeaway was like what a great band and yeah. what fun to be a part of it and then to get to go to so many shows probably never had to pay to get into any of them so that's nice too yeah um what a treat and those guys really are the best yeah but yeah this is kind of a time where we can put a bow on it a little bit we think like okay we did yeah did you did some great look backs and i've listened to all of them all of the episodes with yeah. people from those days and it's so fun to hear the different perspectives but now it's time for your perspective i see i was already weaving it towards what we were doing <laughs> like what was your feeling about the last show <laughs> yeah so but well, yeah. i do want so like one thing that i'm always curious about <laughs> what i was just talking about like when i joined dr dog yeah i had been in raccoon with toby and scott but i always played bass in raccoon i never played guitar yeah so i was primarily a bass player i thought of myself as being much better at the bass than at the guitar during my time in dr dog it was a real crash course because we were just playing constantly and, a lot. and touring yeah so i felt like i progressed very quickly on the guitar yeah but i didn't even start playing bass until I was in high school. I didn't own a guitar until I was like 19 years old, I think. Yeah. But I've never asked you, like, when did you start? Like, when did you get your first guitar? When did you start playing? Excellent question. <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, I started playing the first... I took piano lessons growing up. Mm -hmm. Before, after that, I started... I played the trombone a little bit. Cool. In, You're a uh, tromboner. 
and tromboner <laughs> and trom- <laughs> uh that was like gosh that that might have been in fifth grade i don't even think i did that in junior high I, I didn't do that very long it was kind of an intense instrument i remember mm-hmm. just like oh yeah the buzzing in my face i yeah. didn't want, i didn't like that the physic physicality of that instrument there's yeah. a lot of your your <laughs> aperture i think they call it is that what they call it yeah. with your lips my beak uh yeah you're pulling your beak my snoot to that i think it's the snoot yeah it's your snoot goes into the snout yeah and but then also you're doing stuff with your arms yeah. and like holding it out that always it, seemed like a challenging one especially for a little kid I'm like a, little kid. a small like, person this is insane i'm not like huge massive like jazz guy playing yet yeah. but there's two of us. I remember my friend uh, Lee Hopkin in elementary school, and we both were like, "Oh, we'll do trombone." Mm-hmm. And other kids were doing other things. It lasted for a little while. I stopped, mm-hmm. and then he transferred over to the Glockenspiel. Okay. And so I was like, "All right, that's that." Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> I just stopped playing. I didn't play music through junior high. Yeah. It was always around and in yeah, my you life. Yeah, a little taste of it. Got and a little you, taster. You listen to it. Then high school hit, and it was like. Uh, you know, in junior high, I was like, you know, still sports, 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 mm-hmm. sports. And yeah. then music was starting to really kick in. And I, you know, just got into like punk rock. Yeah. That was the, the opening there. Mm-hmm. Um, met my good buddy, Dimitri Manos, mm-hmm. in high school. Because like the three elementary schools all converged. Right. The confluence yeah. into the mm-hmm. Hanfield Memorial High School in Jersey. And and then we started um, we started to play... But I, I still wasn't like actively going out learning. I think, I think what I did was, well, here's what happened: is there was an acoustic guitar in the house that mm-hmm. was my mom's, cool from West Virginia when she was in college nice. in the '60s. It was an old Takamini, mm-hmm. and beautiful. Garth Brooks plays Takamini. He does. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I know to. I'm in good company. <laughs> he used to. Back I had it. a Jasmine by Takamini, which is like a cheaper uh, yeah. version. That was my first acoustic guitar. Interesting. But a Takamini is a kind of a nice guitar. It's it's very nice. It was it's like smaller. When I go back home, it's still there. It's great. I put new strings on it a few years ago, and mm-hmm. it, it feels wonderful. Small enough, you know. Yeah. Good. And and I think what happened was I might have been taking lessons, or I had started taking lessons mm-hmm. at Audubon Music Center, which was cool. just a neighboring town. Yeah. And. And it was funny because my first guitar teacher was like a, you know how guitar teachers are. They go into the sure. <laughs> the music music lessons. They're like, you know, kind of uh, not washed up, but like they're a little like. Right. It's not what they would prefer to be doing <laughs> no, most of the time. They're still doing their thing, but yeah, they're, they're still uh, doing their gigs. Yeah. And I'm saying this from, because I, I did teach guitar for a little bit mm-hmm. to some students yeah. uh, over the years in Tucson, but. So, you know, I'll, I'll say, but yeah, washed up, whatever. Well, yeah, I'm washed, washed away. I washed <laughs> myself away. And, and, and he was like really into country music. So cool. the way I first started learning guitar was with uh, finger picks and cool. just playing like yeah. guitar, like thunk, 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 which was funny because I wasn't really into that yet. Yeah. And now I yeah. love it. Yeah, no. Um, and so I started learning that, but then I remember it was it was the age you know early nineties, mid nineties, the age of coffee shops, yeah, coffee houses, mm-hmm. which had yeah, just started coffee house gigs. And I think we take it for granted, but man, there was none of those in the eighties. Yeah, nothing before that. This yeah. was like other than maybe like Greenwich Village, yeah, sixties or like yeah, but people weren't looking to spend money on coffee. Yeah, <laughs> they don't want to do that. Definitely started. Yeah, 
go hang out and in the 90s it seems like or at least yeah really took off yeah and so so we this one opened in Hanfield and we went down to the open mic nights and maybe somebody was brave enough to go in inside mm-hmm. and play but we'd also just be playing around in the gazebo in king's court nice downtown in Hanfield. yeah i know where that is and it was great it was great it was just like oh we're just playing this and that and um and like me learning all the chords, all the major yeah. and minor chords. Yeah, just like your open chords. Open chords. Yeah. Bef- and then starting to get power chords and mm-hmm. like, wow, now yeah, I got power how you chords. Play punk music. I am powerful. <laughs> and I just started learning punk music because that's what I was into. Yeah. And uh, like all those bands, it was just easy to just like mm-hmm. start to learn these these punk songs yeah. that weren't too complicated you know which mm-hmm. and then at the time no guitar tabs yeah you have to do it by ear sure yeah you got to figure it out and you sometimes don't figure it out quite right yeah you play it the wrong way for so long yeah and then, and then someone shares with you like yeah, actually like, it's this oh, chord. Wait. <laughs> yeah it's actually that oh yeah that does sound more like the recording <laughs> yeah so that was kind of the okay so like high school high school was times when yeah. it started when all of the playing and bands started to play yeah. you know my my first if this is the first band with Dimitri because we had a lot of different bands when Dimitri and then eventually Frank McElroy we all mm-hmm. joined up and started yeah. having these bands together mm-hmm. and like oh Barnacle I'm writing Wolf. some stuff Barnacle Wolf but before Barnacle Wolf there was the Worm Cats Proto Barnacle Wolf Proto Barnacle Wolf there was the Worm the, Cats the Worm Cats which was like just it. like I have a cassette still I have a cassette tape of the oh, few songs cool. I did of the Worm Cats with Dimitri out of the studio and it was great because this I realized the studio I think I wrote in the notes on the cassette the studio where we recorded was recorded to like a high-end cassette yeah so it was like at the time this was it yeah that's like this the was, good stuff that was I was just thinking <laughs> uh, the very first raccoon recordings we ever did I think Rory and I talked about this is in Downingtown but yeah the, and it was it was just like at best to like a dat like a digital audio tape but maybe just to an actual cassette yeah and we ended up calling it want to come hear it because we like (laughs) you know recorded drums and bass and rhythm guitar live and then like in the talk back the guy who's recording it said want to come hear it and that is like exactly the kind of thing we thought was hilarious. Like we'll call the album "Wanna Come Hear It." <laughs> That's but, perfect. That's like early. I could see how that set the stage then for Raccoon moving yes. into. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of our sense of humor. It's just like whatever <laughs> incidental weirdness happens, that becomes the thing. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you was that was that like a studio studio or was studio, it studio? It was like or, in a guy's studio makeshift garage, right? Yeah, that same, same with us. It yeah, was like, yeah, we, like we couldn't really afford an actual yeah. studio yet. Yeah, and and then then on out, it was pretty much like Dimitri got a Tascam mm-hmm. four track. Yes, he did some home recording, whatever model was, and then we started just doing yeah. recordings like off of. Before that, even I remember just having like a cassette to a Radio Shack mic Mm -hmm. that we'd plug in and just, like, record live room. Yeah. That was not great, you know? But, like, that was the beginnings of it. So we had all these bands going on at the time just writing these songs. We'd be like, I have this these songs I'll call the Wormcats, then I called it the Progressives. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, just, yeah, just the very raw did it feel Wrong. did you did it feel like you guys were all on like a similar level or did it feel like one of you was like the one who knew what they were doing and was sort of like 
kind of helping the others along band leader yeah there was there wasn't really i think we were all kind of on the same level we did have our instruments though it's like i am playing guitar Mm-hmm. I, I am learning guitar now. Dimitri yes. was learning drums. He had yes. a drum set. Yeah. Uh, when Frank came in, Frank, I might say that Frank was further along than us. Yeah, my, he a has more advanced and he has a very advanced uh, ear. Yeah, and he's a great musician. He's an incredible musician, and um, and I think that that might have been uh, that might have been the case. Yeah, you know. And so I was very rudimentary and like. Basics, mm-hmm. the basics. Yeah, I wasn't fancy in what I could do, but I could just at yeah. least do something. Yeah, and um, energetically. And so then it was kind of like we did all that. We played shows. We did some things here mm-hmm. and there. I remember the the progressives. I had like basically a few shows. Yeah, and that was a punk band. That wasn't a ska band. No, no, it wasn't a ska band. It, it was sounds kind of like it sounds ska. ska <laughs> but all that was happening at the time it was yeah. all ska punk. Yeah in south jersey mm-hmm. and um there was a lot of that like a few towns like yep. there's the band oh, yeah. doing this this very ska but i never did this i never did no, the ska thing i like some went. of the ska thing yeah and you even never, now i look you back never brought the trombone no, back out of cold never storage brought, and... oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i hocked it at the at the pawn shop for uh yeah yeah for the radio shack mike it was like just kind of doing very uh punky style i think it was definitely inspired at the time watching some of those local ebfw shows Mm -hmm. where we were getting some bands from westchester yeah ply united Mm -hmm. huge inspiration yeah back then and um and then odd normal which was a big thing for justin stens being in uh in that band which i later was able to join you join the band Yeah. yeah And there's a great story because he loves talking about it. So I'll just <laughs> say it before anyone else yeah. can is that I wrote a letter to Justin because there was a mailing thing. It was like back yeah. then it was so exciting yeah. to write a letter to a band you liked and get like a cassette. Yeah. Or whatever, mm-hmm. stickers. It was just like, whoa, that felt yeah, so good. Yeah, can actually communicate with them. Yeah. I'd like, I feel I feel bad for the new generation because I don't think they're gonna, they experience that in the yeah. same way. Yeah. You can like try to. Yeah comment on somebody's website or yeah. like comment on their twitter like post you. and it's, maybe they'll respond to yeah. you it's like i just feel bad for him it's definitely yeah it's a different <laughs> it's different it's a different thing it's hard to yeah it's hard to conceptualize yeah. how it might change your approach to music and what bands you like and even the idea of local bands yeah it would still have the appeal of like we can see this band because they're local but now it's so easy to hear bands, no matter where they're from, like yes. go on Bandcamp and hear somebody's band, even if they're from across the country. Yeah. But you did kind of rely on bands coming through on tour mm-hmm. or just like your local bands. There are bands yep. in Newark, Delaware was our like scene that we would go to the shows of that just became some of our favorite bands because like you get to see this band. Like I see this band five times over the course of a year and a half and they just become my favorite yeah and i just wonder how much that like local band scene thing still happens you know it i would hope it still happens and i know that it's still like it still happens where people in the same places their bands play with each other Mm -hmm. but just as like kids and even as you were saying like where you grew up would somewhat dictate what you were into it's true yeah, and I felt like the bands that were really cool in Newark when when we all started going to shows 
were more like punk bands and even kind of like psychedelic yeah. indie rock kind of bands. And that ended up being the music that I really liked. Whereas like people were friends with who grew up like 30 minutes away and they were closer to Westchester where there were more hardcore bands yeah. and they're more into hardcore. And I'm just like, would I have been really into hardcore if I just grew up 30 minutes away? <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of a weird thing to think about, but but in, yeah, it's environmental factors of like yeah, where knows? you're at. Maybe that's maybe somehow what's going on now is way better and and it'll yeah. lead to super cool shit. I, superpowers, people yeah, with superpowers. Just be, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I do think the one thing I remember I was going to say about like where you are because then Gorilla, you had all these like really yeah, amazing Gorilla rules bands, and I have this one theory that's like maybe something that influenced that scene. You lived near Kennett Square, which uh-huh. is the mushroom capital of the world, and something about all the mycelium yeah, and things yeah. just getting in the air yeah. and making people... Because it's not psychedelic mushrooms, but they're, you know, yeah. mushrooms are pretty wild. Yeah. They're interesting. They're packed with nutrients. The, the nutrients. There's some signature smells to the, the area I yes. grew up. Yeah, so you're getting some yeah. information in this network of like, yes. you know, the mycelium, which is... Yeah. You know, it's not a plant and it's not a human. Yeah, it's its, it's own r- kingdom. Its own kingdom. Its own that is trippy, man. Fungus. Something inf- so influencing a music scene as kiddos. Yeah, yeah. Getting breaking through the blood brain barrier at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but that's cool. Again, like this is yeah. stuff I didn't know necessarily, yeah. and I do just to like relate it to our world of like me and Rory and Doug and Toby and Scott, um, who were you know, in a lot of these bands that you've talked about. Yeah. Scott was always just like, I saw Scott play guitar and I was like, Oh my God, like how does he even do it? And oh God. I was talking to Rory recently about how Scott always plays like the big, like clunky Gibson guitars that yeah. are uh, amazing sounding, but they're kind of hard to play. Yeah. And o- truly only recently within the last two years, did I start playing a Stratocaster and a Telecaster? My friend Pat Finnerty mm-hmm. has great guitars and he's got these great Fender guitars and I've been playing them. And I'm like, I'm so much better at the guitar than I thought I was. These <laughs> guitars are so much more fun and easier to play. And because yeah. Scott was like my guitar idol, I yeah. was like, well, I'm going to play. I'm going to play this SG or I'm going to play this hollow body yeah. and they're going to sound great. And they, and they were great for like being a rhythm guitarist and Dr. Dog. It made sense to have like big humbuckers and kind of yeah. like heavier strings and all of that. It fit the sound. Yeah. But I realized that like Scott rips so hard. He's so great at the guitar, but he's almost like not even playing the kind of guitar that people who rip play. Yeah. And it's almost like he's handicapping himself to like make it harder and he's still so good. He's like Harrison Bergeron. You ever read that uh, Kurt Vonnegut story? Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like this amazing guy with these like weights on him and they like he strips all of the the handicaps off and he's just like bounding around and people overthrow (laughs) the government because they realize what's possible now. Uh, That's Scott basically. But I, it's funny to think about like, he was so good and I wonder if part of it is like he started so young but then part of that is like if you start really young it's really hard so maybe you have to be really really good so it's kind of this chicken of the egg chicken and the egg thing where it's like 
Maybe it's only because he was so good that he could start so young and not get frustrated with it because he just had this natural talent for it. Mm. And I would I would always think like maybe if I would have started when I was like eight years old or whatever like Scott like maybe I could rip like Scott and it's like no he's just better (laughs) but it's a little bit of each I think I think some of some of the people who I know like again Pat Finnerty is just a totally incredible guitar player yeah and his dad's a great guitar player so he's been playing guitar his whole life so it is like kind of like a nature nurture nature versus nurture the grudge match were they just destined to (laughs) rule at the guitar even if they would have started when they were 19 or does that early start give like a nice little built-in advantage too? Well, I will I will jump ahead a little is that when I met you guys and learning guitar from Scott. Yeah. It was like I I felt like my level of playing and being in band with him and everybody that I was with. Yeah. But with Scott specifically with guitar and yeah. like Unleash the Bastards was like everything just went like way you know, yes. like yeah. just way up there, and I learned so much more yeah. than I had ever learned. And it was like this style of playing, this way of playing, this way of seeing music mm-hmm. and feeling music. And I mean, I do without like, uh, I mean, you know, toot toot here for Scott, but it's mm-hmm. like I. <laughs> we might have said this. I don't know. In another episode, I feel like Scott might be one of the best guitar players on the planet. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's all that controversial. He's incredible. But I think so, I don't know if everyone knows that. Yeah, I think people yeah. know a songwriter. What a good songwriter, yeah. amazing songwriter is. But well, guitar that's kind of the player, funny thing is like he. When I met Toby and Scott, it was like Scott is this incredible technician, incredible guitar player, like so good. Yeah. But Toby was the one who was writing the song, so it's like in those early days and and still because Toby's still an incredible songwriter and yeah. will continue to be yes but in those early days it was like okay Scott is like this guitar phenom and Toby is this songwriting and singing phenom mm. where like he could you know I met him he was fifth or I knew him when he was really little but like I met kind of met him as a musician yeah when he was like 15 or 16 and already had this voice that was just like a grown man, amazing rock and roll voice, and he was writing these super cool songs. So it was, and then later when Scott, I think Scott was probably writing cool songs the whole time. We just weren't hearing them. But then later it's like, all right, well now they're both writing great songs, and Toby's <laughs> so great at the bass, and his uncle's a great <clears throat> bass player. Yeah, and he he gave me my first bass lessons. Toby was my mm. bass teacher. I've never really taken music lessons other than Toby giving me a few bass lessons when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always curious about that, like how people come up and who they play with. Yeah. And if there was just like that guy. Right. And Doug was kind of that guy too. Doug right. was super Doug talented. Doug was teaching harmonies. And, and Doug was in a band it. called The Overtones with yeah. his friend Matt Fuga, who was, yeah. a, was and is a truly great guitar player and wrote really cool like weird psychedelic songs yeah so they there just seemed to be like these buddies yeah who were so great it's yeah. like man when i started i was like i got so much catching up to do ah. <laughs> well yeah it's yeah but it's cool that you say that like you and frank and dimitri 
We grew. Yeah, you kind of like we're learning to do it all together and growing together. And, he, and now here's the funny part with this is that we, this was through high school and about mid high school, maybe I think we started around junior year when we when we formed Barnacle Wolf mm-hmm. and Barnacle Wolf was a really interesting experiment because it was we we all decided to just all change instruments and mm-hmm. play the things that we didn't very conceptual based i yeah. think this we decided yeah. to play what we weren't we didn't play mm-hmm. yeah. so i went to drums yeah dimitri went to guitar frank went to bass and like screeching you know mm-hmm. his this amazing hardcore voice that mm-hmm. he had what you know early meat puppets and yeah. early early day like kind of really wild thing and frank has like this angelic voice yeah beautiful sing high amazing range harmonies and And this was this thing with barnack wolf it's like you know this very specific time frame of of music in the early 80s punk yeah that we started to kind of tap into yeah and just started doing that it was like oh we're just playing the things that we don't we're not comfortable with yeah and did that but while we were also doing other stuff we were like you know i was still kind of writing things and um Maybe Frank and Dimitri were doing Reaganomics, yeah. that band, and uh, and and just also writing other stuff. So everyone was still playing their own yeah. things, but it was kind of like and that's fun. That's part of like being a young <laughs> yeah. musician is just yeah. Uh, you know, in Raccoon, I was the bass player, even though Toby was way better at the bass than yeah. me. Yeah, um, and Toby and Scott would switch between guitar and drums. <laughs> Uh, even though neither of them is like a trained drummer, the way yeah. they played drums was really cool. Yes. And yeah, so you just kind of like experiment and and there would be like projects that like this thing we're doing with this little group is going to be this kind of music. Yeah, yeah. And then there would be like the band that's a little bit more like, but this is like the real thing where we're like writing the music we're actually the most into. Yes, yeah. But yeah, you're just a kid. Like your brain's yeah. going nuts. You're trying to figure out what what you actually can do and what yeah. you actually want to do. Hormones are surging. I know. You're just chemical trying to rush. Figure out how to talk chemical to dump. A trying girl. to talk to girls. <laughs> trying. Maybe if I talk to them about Barnacle Wolf, everything <laughs> will go smoothly. Maybe they'll like Barnacle Wolf. Maybe, Maybe barnacle they'll like wolf me. Is the key. If I just play with my shirt off. <laughs> As a scrawny, skinny New Jersey boy, (laughs) I'll see my scrawny skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that sets us up because I think that's when I met you. Yeah, is like scrawny. I was uh, scrawny Jersey punk. Jersey punk, even scrawnier. Yeah, I could outscrawn anybody. (laughs) Scrawn. Don't bring that weak scrawn in here. (laughs) I'll show you what what true scrawn is all about. Yeah, then I mean, all of us were kind of True like scrawn Arizona scrawns. We were scrawn, True scrawn, scrawn dudes, except I guess balls. <laughs> you just who... aren't going to acknowledge my True Scrawn Arizona. <laughs> Your True Scrawn Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> true um, scrawn. So yeah, we were scrawny. Yeah, we, we were. were a mess. And I and I did. I met you. I just so. I'm just wondering if there's anything else to share though about like coming from the yeah. I guess the high so. School was, you. I had it. You, my first were you guitar the same was, age? My first electric was an Epiphone, uh, not a true Epiphone. It was a not the Les Paul. It was an Epiphone, and I had a little crate amp, and that okay. was my beginning. I'll just so say like that. the Epiphone version yes. of a Les Paul. Epiphone version of yeah. Les Paul, cool. and, and uh, but not a hollow body, and then a little yeah. crate amp crate that had amp. distortion and chorus. And I was like, "Ooh, that's perfect! Wow!" Ugh. 
and that, chorus and that worse it was terrible but i was like i was always like that's why would i would ever use that i, I mean if it distortion. was you know kurt cobain used it so yeah. i guess it can't be that bad although it, it would those songs would be better without it yeah but i'll leave my anti-chorus bias yeah <laughs> behind as best i can and that was the beginning though if i will say of like punk and learning just like i would like sit up and just like play to things like the queers and lookout yeah. records bands mm-hmm. and the rancid and bad religion and just yeah. like you know all these all these bands i feel like bad religion taught me more um in my vocabulary and about um the government and just oh, a bigger yeah. picture than school the high school yeah day. absolutely the political punk yeah, bands that lyrics really got it. were definitely illuminating yeah when uh there's the um screeching weasel born against yes. split and i loved screeching weasel <laughs> and screeching weasel mostly wrote songs about girls and yeah. and stuff like that yeah um, or just like being gross and living in a punk house and all of yeah. that. Yeah. But then they did that split, and it's uh, it's called El Mazote is the the born against <sighs> song that Screeching Weasel covers. So it's like about El Salvadoran revolutionaries and tyrannical governments and all of that. Yeah. And it's I for a long time I just didn't get that the point of that split was they each covered yeah. the other band's song. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, like I was learning about this stuff from Screeching Weasel, not actually their song, but because Screeching Weasel made it sound like what I wanted it to sound like. Yeah. But yeah, and I listen to the Dead Kennedys a bunch. And yeah, so like the political angles of stuff like that, it, yeah. Well, also like high school at the time was not going to talk about CIA overthrows of democratically elected governments in Latin America. Like we didn't have Noam Chomsky as our high school no. history teacher. Unfortunately, would that be amazing? Yeah, Howard's in your history, cool. and yeah, Noam Chomsky is your linguist. Yeah, it gives you a little professor. linguistics and political science. God, on the side, that would have been a fun high school. So yeah, you you were and and you know like saying like you were kind of learning to play music through those those bands are great but the music yeah. is simple it so, is very simple and that's it's like accessible in that way yeah and that's very simplistic it's great music yeah i can i think of like i have friends in high school who are really into like prog music like yeah. elp emerson lake and palmer yeah. and like dream yeah. theater and it's like what a bummer as like a kid who just wants to play music, but your yeah. favorite music is dream theater where it's so hard. <laughs> like there is no, like I'll just play this you yeah. know, little three chord dream. No, dream theater is like, no, this is song is in seven, eight. Yeah. And it drops one of those beats and uh, we're going to change keys three times. Dude. It, w- it was very simple. What I was doing. I will, I will say it wasn't as much that way with, uh, Dimitri and Frank had were a little more expanded in their in their uh, musical horizons mm-hmm. as as far as as what they were going for. Were you guys all the same age? Were you all like same grade? Frank's two years below us. Was two years younger. Younger. Wow. Yeah. So Dimitri and I same Maybe. grade. Frank was two years mm-hmm. younger, which was also incredible because he's I'm like, like wow. your George. He's your George. Harrison. He's our George, but he's like already though so advanced, you know, with what yeah. his playing was, mm-hmm. and and so. Yeah, when I got to, for me, what was so eye-opening when I got to Westchester and meeting you guys and and the group was just that. It really opened up the scope. Yeah. Political punk. I was already kind of starting mm-hmm. in that, but it was like, oh, wow, this is a, yeah, this is we a were, movement. We were in propaganda and Propagandhi like, and Dead Kennedys and, and yeah. stuff that yeah. was like, we're making this great 
catchy music, but it's to get you to learn about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like the pins, the the Doug right. Weaver's band in our high school, they were yes. like a political punk band and they were great. But yeah, that was definitely like our punk world was a lot of the political stuff and some of the like poppy fun stuff too. Like I said, mo- me and Balls definitely loved Screeching Weasel. And, and yeah. Um, I never got into the queers. I was never, uh, I never got there with the queers, but we def, you know, balls like the queers. I was super pop punk. Yeah. And I, st- I still have all that sentimentality. You know, I just, yeah. God, I just played oh, you a song catchy. when you came over. I heard on the radio that was, uh, Baby, You're a Haunted House by yeah. the singer of My Chemical Romance. It and it song. totally got me. And I was like, this is a great pop yeah. song. My, pff, my chemical, you th- why would, I would never think I'd like that. Well, it's, it's I mean, you listen to, the Cars yes. and Weezer yeah. and like those bands are basically doing pop punk. Like they're, they're doing pop punk. There's yeah. the music is so similar. Yeah. To pop punk. Yes. It's just like use, there's like a pop punk punk accent that singers yeah. sing with. Yeah. <laughs> that those bands don't have. <laughs> yeah. Um, that Blink One Eighty Two took to like the level of absurdity. Yeah. That accent. What but, is the one? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, don't waste my time on me. You're already a voice inside my yed. He says, "My yed." <laughs> You're a voice inside my yed. <laughs> that to me is like, well, nobody can do. It's like when all of those bands started doing like Eddie Vedder growls mm, yeah and it's like well you just can't do this anymore yeah. like no new singer could come along yeah. and do that now billy joe armstrong pulled it off he did okay with yeah Ray, i think like he did this He's like awesome english punk singer yeah punk yeah accent he has like kind of like the snotty british yeah like a little bit of uh Sex Pistols yeah. kind of yeah he's, he, he's he an made awesome that work singer somehow, I loved Green Day oh yeah yeah I listened to Kerplunk all oh, the time God. just yeah. constantly and yeah. then uh, Dookie came out and it was like yeah. the crisis of confidence for all the punks yeah. we all had like not yeah. that I was really a punk but I listened to punk music <laughs> but everybody had to be like all right, am I going to like admit that some of these songs are pretty good and maybe it's not as good as Kerplunk, but it's still pretty good even though it's being pay- played on MTV? Or am I just going to say, like, screw them, I hate Green Day now? Right, right. I, I, I went for it. I just... What was that? I hook, line, sinker. I took me in. I, You're just I like, like no, nope, I'm, I'm all, all dookie I'm all, all the time. I'm dookie all the time. <laughs> Smearing dookie on... the uh, Yeah, so when I, when I got to Westchester... And I, you know, it's like what a fortuitous meeting to come to this school that I just chose because my dad had gone there. He was yeah. an alumni mm-hmm. in Westchester, and I was also, truth be told, I was very drawn because of like the creep record scene. Yeah, and I was like, cool. I'll go over there. There's, I know there's this cool scene mm-hmm. happening with these bands, and it's funny because then I got there and like Plow had their last show, so yeah. it was already. Going to Westchester and it was like that was it. Yeah. I remember the first month or something of going there. They had come and done a few reunion shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, that's it. Yeah, for that's that, it for Plow. Guess, you know. The the reason I came here. Yeah, this now band it's... just stopped. Yeah, but yeah, Plow was a great band. We loved them. They would come to yeah. Newark and and that would always be really cool. Yeah, yeah, super. It's good. funny that that like. Uh, the drive to Newark was 20 minutes and the drive to Westchester was 30 minutes. And it's like, well, we wait for them to come to Newark and we see them at the venues where we go to shows. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. we didn't 
go up to Westchester more or Philadelphia. I mean, I know we were kids, so we might have been scared of driving on the highway yeah. in the city. But yeah. it's so funny that we were... But because cool <laughs> bands would come and play punk shows in Newark, we kind of didn't need to. Yeah. It's like, no, they we're come getting to you. pretty awesome stuff here. Yeah. You just wait, hang tight, and they're coming. Yeah. And they're on their way. They'll do the circuit and, mm-hmm. and play, which was so great. I mean, that that circuit and playing that eventually we all got yeah. into yeah and, it's a into real that it's a blessing to live <sighs> next to a town that has a music scene when you're a kid yeah and 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 where we grew up all of us being the, from like we were an hour apart really from yeah where we all grew up all from each close other to philadelphia but just like on different sides of yeah. it yeah and how much how rich that that terrain is yeah for like all these little scenes that were just mm-hmm. popping up and yeah, what and was Westchester going on was where a lot of us came to get like we didn't know Zach before Westchester and yeah. just met Zach because he was a kid who was into music and Yeah, we were into music so yeah. he started coming over you started coming over I started coming over I was just like I'm com- coming in yeah I'm coming in the house yeah the door was open the pirate house you were great I loved you I thought you were hilarious <laughs> and fun and like I don't know if I I, I was wondering energy. would I have liked myself now like you would i guess yeah, that's I like the know. thing that's, when like toby or not toby uh <laughs> scott and doug both kind of said like you were insane it was so annoying like you almost <laughs> killed me one time and you probably almost killed me a couple I times i might have done but yeah <laughs> you were there's so much charm to it it was yeah. not actually annoying yeah i mean it was annoying oh yeah in I'm moments just, there were moments sure. where you're like all right dude just relax yeah. but like i was really was, hyper i was you I had, were like, you hyper were and excited you were like tuned up yeah. to a high frequency at all super times super high um, activated but but that was just like we all had our quirks yeah you know like we all yeah. had stuff that was annoying about us yeah <laughs> and that was just yours it wasn't that out of step right everyone else having stuff about us that was not ideal yeah um but yeah you were this like a (laughs) very fun presence and you are younger you're a little bit Mm -hmm. younger a little younger than us yeah and back then that now it feels like nothing but that makes a difference yeah but back then it definitely made a difference we were like there's this kid and he's wild this young little kid he's super (laughs) wild I mean he's really excitable yeah you gotta harness that energy for something but what I remember like the first thing that kind of made an impression about on me about or one of the things that made an impression on me was like you were organizing shows and you were like doing the Cooper River Ah. stuff and Yes. Because I was the one in our crew who was, like, trying to figure that stuff out. It's like, how do we, like, we have a band, and I think it's cool. How do we play a show ever? Yeah. (laughs) How do we ever get to play where people will see us? And you were doing that, and to me it's like... You can be like as wild or whatever, and like we could think you're like, oh, he's just this like dumb kid. It's like yeah. he's not that dumb. He's yeah. figuring this I'm, shit out that a, we're completely baffled by. I was a concert promoter. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Which is funny to say that now, but I literally like I remember the first Cooper. We did two Cooper River shows, and Cooper River is like on in the South Jersey. It's this uh, stretch of. Uh, I don't know if it's a nature preserve, but yeah, it's, it's basically a park that it's a runs alongside park a river. Come going but, into Philly, it goes yeah. into the the Delaware, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's like it's beautiful. It's this really yeah. nice spot, and there was this. There was another guy who I haven't had on the show yet, Ted Passan, who's a yeah, filmmaker in, in Philly. Filmmaker, and he was also so he was in the in the the music scene in Southern Jersey that was 
uh, that was more high, heavily into the ska scene. He was uh-huh. kind of, he was also doing shows, and he had done, I think he was the first one that did this. I don't think it was me, but he had done a Cooper River show, I think, maybe with uh, the Scottalites mm-hmm. headlining. So he had some big, yeah. big names. Yeah. And we were like, we saw that. I think this is how it went. I'm not positive, but we, we might have seen something like that, and we're like, oh, me, Frank, Dimitri were like, oh, man, we should, like, put on a show. Yeah. And what the deal is was it was a benefit. Like, you could go through the county, mm-hmm. and you could uh, – we had meetings. I remember we had meetings in high school, <laughs> early high school, where it was um, – hi. Hi, kitty cat. It was um, – come here. Psst, psst, psst. You want to say hi? You want to chime in? Come here. Monchi. Come here. Tell us about your high school bands. Yeah. What's Monchi. your high school friends? <laughs> Where did you go to college? Huh? <laughs> Catnip you? Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> I went to Harvard. I went to college just in Boston. Just turns, <laughs> just turns, I, went to, <laughs> I went to UMass. Um, she's still working on her doctorate. <laughs> her um, doctorate. <laughs> Very controversial. First cat to achieve a doctorate level degree. <laughs> the... Uh, so we were having these meetings, and they basically, you would get a huge trailer that would have a sound. It, it was, it was a trailer that you'd get a sound guy and equipment, and mm-hmm. that was the deal. Was if you ha- it was a benefit. So we did this benefit for a soup kitchen. We called it Rock for Soup. Mm-hmm. I think F E R. I had a stamp made and everything <laughs> at Kinko's. Because the nights at Kinko's, wow, the yeah. beauty of being oh, at yeah. Kinko's, Kinko's was central. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. And because 24 hours, I mean, it's like, yeah, I would love to do it right with my, my local print shop. Yeah. But and there 24 were scams. Hours, yeah, there were scams. scams you could pull like on Kinko's. You could do a lot of weird stuff on there. And, <laughs> or they um, would, like, ask you how many copies you made, and you would just <laughs> round it down significantly. Yeah. yeah. That was like the Whole Foods where you'd go in. And you'd fill up a bag, a brown bag that mm-hmm. we do, Brent Ben Smith uh, and yeah. all of us with mm-hmm. chocolate almonds. Yeah, the, the and say cocoa you got almonds, cocoa were almonds that were like fifteen dollars a pound, and yeah. you say I just got some rice. Yeah, and you put the rice number yeah. on. Yeah, or you just say like they're raw. I got the raw almonds, yeah. which are way cheaper. <laughs> the carob or cocoa covered ones. They look like little potatoes. <laughs> they were so delicious. My God, let's go get some after oh, this. Man, we got to so go find good. them. They uh, they're like amazing. It tasted so good. I can't believe it. I think I'm having dust. a relapse of my sugar hypertons. <laughs> I'm feeling like spaz jittery. Mode. Spaz mode. <laughs> my dweeb spaz. <laughs> dweeb spaz genes. And so what basically um, we had the we had access to this thing. And it was like, okay, cool. We've got access to this Cooper River Park mm-hmm. where they bring the trailer. We have all day. They set up. And we're just going to book the bands now and it's a benefit it's a benefit so we would be able to i think for some of it take some money off for gas money because at the time it's like a lot of bands were just getting gas money it was like yes if you make yeah. gas money to get to the show you could sell some stuff yeah that's a success and that was it and i remember we my god it was so stressful though it was like uh, i have a vhs we have a whole day vhs documented mm-hmm. throughout the day of that i have yeah I've never put that up on YouTube, but it's uh, so cool. it's there. And I remember I, I had a whole plan of getting a second stage. So we'd have 
like festivals because at the time right. I think Dimitri and I had just been to Lollapalooza yeah we saw Beck we saw yeah. these people then there was a second stage yeah and then when one band yep. finishes on this stage you go you on to the other stage yeah. and then the next band can set up yep and it was just yeah. like that and so like, the whole thing we're gonna be super pro we were, we're super pro like Lollapalooza man it's amazing because in this documented footage it's like someone goes over I watched it a few years ago I went back and like looked mm-hmm. and someone's like well here's Brad's second stage <laughs> that he came up with we didn't use it and it was like a couple shitty pallets <laughs> that had like crap it was just so yeah. shitty and like I mean mud <laughs> and nothing else and um it'd be cool if you had like a local version of like the the Jim Rose uh, side whatever that like freak show was yes. that did like Lollapalooza <laughs> you just had like a kid from town who would like eat his boogers or something <laughs> like you stand on those pallets you entertain everyone while we're doing changeover for these bands <laughs> you're the segue act. freak show circus oh, oh man it's, <laughs> it was crazy so we after I had that all set up in the day we were there and then some Someone had the bright idea. It was like, um, let's just like split the stage, and one band yeah. will have set up, and then the, and yeah. that's what big we enough. Did. We're just punk bands. Yeah. we don't and, need the full yeah. sta- the full festival stage. And it, and it was great, and it, it worked out. And we had like, uh, it was great. A lot of local things. I think a band that kind of got famous from Baltimore came, The Impossible Shapes. Oh yeah, uh, or it. The Impossible Five. I think no, Impossible Shapes. Some band that was like went mm-hmm. on to do something they played yeah, I definitely heard impossible shapes yeah it, i don't know that i've heard them but it was, i've heard the name and it was great we raised you know over a thousand dollars for that the soup. rules it's it a lot of soup a lot of soup and we we're on the news we have there's a footage great. of us on the news somewhere <laughs> and is that on the vhs yeah there's somewhere on the vhs nice. at home i have that and um so so anyway back to like yeah I, I was doing shows because we saw these VFW shows and we're like, well, we want to bring some bands in and we want some, we want to like curate some stuff from mm-hmm. what we're doing. And, and it was interesting. I think I just like jumped in and just, and just did it. Like yeah. I, there was some other VFW shows I did that was, they were, we called them American punk punk show. And it was yeah. some series. I remember I brought this one band that I loved from the Lehigh Valley called grieving eucalyptus. Cool. It was like this super 1950s. They played in all like vintage cool gear and they were they were yeah. really cool they were on um i think faux records that zine that was mm-hmm. back then so anyway by the time i got to westchester yeah i think i was still setting up i i was setting up that other cooper river show that yeah. unleash the bastards came yeah. and played and that was a like, civil war reenactment guy at that time no or was it, it was it unleash the bastards, bastards jeff kelly it? was playing with them cool um but that show had like uh which are some big punk bands now the casualties the oh, unseen yeah. showcase showdown yeah Bastards, um, yeah, there was some other stuff like yeah, some local I was things. That was that fun. Cooper River was yeah, amazing. It was on an island, yeah, out there. Uh, so that's something we can talk about. So, like, yeah. I loved Unleash the Bastards. Yeah, me too. I loved oh. Doctor Dog. Yeah, but I was in Raccoon. Yes, and there was that tension there. Yeah, there of was. like because Scott was in all three of those bands. Yeah, at certain points and for most of the time he was yeah. in like three of those bands and for a while dr dog was mostly just toby and scott like making recordings but the idea was always like this is going to be our real band yeah. at some point and there was always kind of this like mm. bittersweet yeah. of like you know like if something really cool happened for Unleash the Bastards, it was like, that's great because they rule, but like, yeah. oh, Scott's that not going to be able Scott to play away. this show. Yeah. And like, so, but I'm, 
I, in hindsight, I'm proud of us mm-hmm. that we were still, we still loved each other and we were still yeah. friends. And like, it, it would be false to claim that there wasn't any of that. There was, te- like, there was some like, tension. Like, sort of like, yeah. like, oh, I'm kind of rooting against my friends because yes. I want my band to be able to do yeah. this. But I'm, I feel good that despite some of that pettiness <laughs> and some of those feelings that we shouldn't have had, yeah. we didn't let that interfere with being friends and like going to each other's shows and just loving it. Like when you're at the show, you're just loving it. Yeah. And yeah. like the Dr. Dog Raccoon thing, especially <laughs> later on, it was like this thing where like Raccoon got a tour yes. before Dr. Dog was even really playing shows. And like the first time dr dog ever played at the kyber was because raccoon had a show at the kyber right and there was like a snowstorm and one of the other bands couldn't make it yeah but everybody in dr dog was there yeah and it was like this thing where it was like because i had booked the show it was like my decision and i was like (laughs) you guys are gonna play you're gonna be great everybody's gonna love it great play it and it was Uh, this like internal struggle inside of me of like be a good friend like don't be petty yeah don't like strategize about how this hurts like the band that you want to be the one that they pick yeah so this is this is me like bearing my soul that i had petty thoughts that i felt that I knew I, w- I was already ashamed of at the time. In hindsight, I let myself off the hook because I'm like, I was just a dumb kid. I didn't, you know, everybody has that kind of jealousy and stuff. But yeah. can you relate? Can you relate to those emotions? Yes, oh, I'm full, full on. I'm totally there with you. Like, I, I remember at the time, and I think I said this maybe on another show or at some point where I was, uh, maybe it was with the raccoon episode, mm-hmm. but it was with like, I was, I liked Raccoon, but n- now I really appreciate Raccoon. Yeah. Like, I At just the time, was, you were like, is this really cool enough to be taking Scott yeah, away from I, our killer I, punk ex- band? Exactly. I was, because I was. I'm still, remember, coming, hearing the history. I'm coming off of like, I'm just a full on pop punk dude. Yeah. yeah. And like, I love that. And now it's like just immersed in punk rock. I was yeah. not listening to other stuff mm-hmm. at all until like a little bit down the road. But it was like, that was it. And, um, and, and it was like the same thing would happen. Be like, oh, we're, raccoons playing. Yeah. It's like, oh. more, like art rock. Yeah. Kind of now like they got a weirdo show. indie kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, we want to play a show. We're so hungry to play shows. Yeah. Ideally what was great. The, the thing that I do remember that was good was when we were, we played a lot together. Yeah. When those bills happen, it was like, yeah. great. It was amazing. We're all together. Yeah, and like Unleashed no Bastards problem. got to play in yeah. like bars and clubs that it might yeah. have been harder to get into. And for us, it ruled like to be able to play punk shows was yeah. kind of all I wanted to do was just play yeah. all ages shows. The all ages shows were great. But it was great. so much easier for us to get shows at bars than yeah. it was. And, and like this was kind of our struggle with that band is and and coming from Newark where in our like teenage years Newark was just like the show would just be like three cool bands that didn't yeah. sound anything like each other yeah 
And we were like, we can be one of those cool bands. Yeah. But by the time we were trying to do it, it was like, no, the show is four emo bands. Or yeah. like, no, it's four ska bands. Yeah. And we were like, well, we're just weirdos. There aren't three other bands <laughs> like us. Like, how are we ever going to have a show? Yeah. But that was so great where like we would get to play some of those punk shows with Unle because like Unleash the Bastards is playing. Yeah. I think it was great for all of us except for maybe Scott who had to play twice and like right. shred his voice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he he got the brunt of it. He had to do a lot more. He was doing double, double duty. Double duty, man. Yeah. Double duty. We were, you know, one of us we'd finish playing and just like get drunk or get high yeah, or like watch just the other band play. Go try fun. to talk to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Scott is like still on the clock. Yeah, Scott's got to go. Um, but yeah, working. that that was. I felt that though. Yeah, I and then yeah. we didn't have to. <laughs> we had less of that than I think you did because then Unleash the Bastards broke up. Yeah, it's like oh, well, it Scott Weaver hiking the Appalachian yeah, Trail. Yeah, all Scott right, we were kind of we're left done. And, and then I start Traffic Jam with mm -hmm. like the guys that are yeah playing. Which and, there was less overlap there. Yeah, Zach yeah. was in both bands, but that's true. Um, not as but not Zach as is threatening. Zach's to, a gamer. Zach will yeah. play as many shows as, as you've got for him. Oh, so good. Um, yeah, but yeah. So it is like <laughs> it's one of those things where I feel a little bit ashamed of like having those petty thoughts, but in another way, I feel like. But I never let that keep me yeah. from, yeah. you know, like I told people who booked places in Philly, it's like, there's also this band, Dr. Dog. Yeah. Man. Like, and yeah. I, I, I think, unless I'm just like repressing the memory of me being a horrible person, <laughs> I think I never sabotaged anything for any of the other bands. It was just like that little voice inside of me that's like, oh no, yeah. their success like yeah. takes your bandmates away yeah and it is like in hindsight it's all very silly because but i mean we're young we're like how yeah i don't think so like at the everything time. seems so important and and everything was like a battle of the band there's a reason it's called battle of the bands yes. we were always there was always a bit of like yes uh of fighting to get who's best who's doing yeah. the better show mm -hmm. um who will triumph yeah you know I, I there is something about that yeah. it's like you get into the band and it's like a little you know gang even if it's yeah. the same people it's like well, mm -hmm. we got this thing we got going on here yeah we're gonna really like bring it and, yes and and show everybody you and know we would actually do the battle of the bands at westchester university yeah, yeah. and it seemed really important because we were not playing shows <laughs> yeah and in hindsight, yeah. it's like, okay, you, you judges at Battle of the Bands, you didn't even get <laughs> oh let Dr. God. Dog get to the final round. You eliminated yeah. Dr. Dog, <laughs> this nationally, internationally famous band. You said, no, you guys aren't good enough to make it to the final round yeah. of the Westchester University Battle of the Bands. For shame. For shame, <laughs> Battle of the Bands judges. You know who you are. History. Yeah, if you're listening we'll to this right now, you. you'll have to sleep with what you've done. <laughs> All of you Battle of the Bands judges, I hope you feel deep shame. <laughs> what remorse. <laughs> you should feel ashamed of yourself. But yeah, it's true. And that's why, like, the idea of Battle of the Bands, uh, my, our friend Chris Funderburg yeah. is uh, a filmmaker and just all around brilliant guy. And he's, I'm going to butcher it, but he has, like, this catchphrase that's like, ordinal rankings of works of art are inherently anti-art and it's <laughs> like the idea of like yeah. if you're like ranking your top five movies like your yeah. top five Scorsese movies like don't 
do it. Yeah. Just it's art. It's mm-hmm. not competing. It's like Goodfellas is not competing yeah. with Mean Streets. Like yeah. they're both great works of art. So that like that battle of the bands thing is like mm-hmm. that's creepy. Yeah. But it does seep in. You're thinking mm-hmm. like it feels like this zero sum game where like, well if they get the show then we don't get the show and we want the show. So yes. like I have to hate them. I know. And even, you know, like I've I've to not that uh nothing specific here, but like when we were doing Dr. Dog and we were like coming up and, and trying to like be as successful as we could be. Yeah. And you would see other bands like get a thing that like we were hoping or like, you know, like Pitchfork gave Dr. Dog the worst reviews and was so obnoxious yeah. about it and so stupid and pointless. Yeah. And screw them for that. Yeah. But uh, you should be ashamed of yourself, Pitchfork. You know on, what Pitch you've Fork. done. You've got to sleep with History your mess. will reckon with you like those judges, those goddamn <laughs> yeah, judges all from the of Battle of Bands in Westchester. You're with them terrible, in, the, in the shit pit. Terrible uh, dirt for all of you. <laughs> You're a bunch of bird dirt. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but then, like, there'd be this other band that we would have played with. And it's like they get a eight point two or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that band sucks. Like, you come know. on. Yeah. But that's like the worst part of you. That's uh, not thinking about how everybody's yeah. just making their art. Some people are crass and they're like mm-hmm. making it because they think it'll be successful. But who knows yeah. what lies in the hearts of men? So or and women and everyone. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we would have those moments. Yeah. Of even then, even when like things were going really well, it's like, but that band sucks. We're like, and it's like, we're like on, battle like, beasts. I, it's crazy. It's really, <laughs> it's really nuts how that happens. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just think there is some kind of like gang mentality that happens and just like it, it's, it is weird because I would like to think in the best version of myself is that. I want to just share and I'm like, yes. Oh, I'm going to make connections. Yeah, I'm going to make things Yeah, and hopefully people like them. And if they don't, that's okay. Yeah. And, and I'm going to help someone else making things. I'll and... help someone else who's trying to make it and be like, yeah. here's, here's what I know. Here's the contact yeah. I have. I'll share yeah. my little black book here. Yeah. Here's some booking people. Yeah. And like, this is great. And you know, and I, and it's, it is why, I mean, this is just, I think a uh, jumping to like bigger picture scope. I see it in like the film world that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I'll feel that. I'll feel like somebody got something like yeah. fucking asshole, you know? Yeah. But then the best version of myself, somebody is like, I help them get connected. Yeah. Here, here's the, here's this agency. Yeah. Go for it. Here's to tell them, you know, me do do do. And like, and great. And then something happens and it's yes. like, this feels great. And it's like, yeah. we're not competing. That's not the mentality that we want. Yeah. Cause there is enough for everyone. There's like, I think a scarcity, Mm-hmm. scarcity yeah yeah a, a scarcity, scarcity mindset, and a scarcity yeah. mindset that happened mm-hmm. because things were kind of scarce yeah they were <laughs> scarce <laughs> they're a little bit scarce scarce uh, you know and yeah. and we didn't have a lot yeah and we wanted something to happen yeah. and so but back to that was kind of the funny thing so back to what we were saying about yeah. like you were like putting on shows and yeah. you were like making things happen yeah our like me and Toby and Scott and and Rory and and like the people we were playing music with, we just had the sense that like these things are just like if we make music that is cool enough and great enough, yeah, 
things will just happen. Right. And we weren't thinking about like, no, you actually are supposed to like drop off a demo tape. Yeah. <laughs> or like you're yeah. supposed to like contact the person and remind them you exist. Yeah. So we were like getting mad at like I, that like stupid band. They get to yeah. play the show. And it's like, yeah, they probably picked up the phone and just called and asked for a show. But our reaction to that was just like, like yeah. get smaller and smaller in our little cocoon of yeah. hate. I'm just like, you we're the best and yeah. they stake it. They're still, it's like channel some of that into some positive action. Yeah. And I think like you showing up was like, we could just kind of like do what he's doing. And yeah. I think I kind of learned from you in that of like, mm -hmm. you need to initiate yeah to make this stuff happen and then cool stuff starts happening yeah and you so that's great and you did you were like the yeah, you were was, like the point person i was the logistics guy for sure yes and you started to do that and like follow which is nice that that was inspirational and it and followed suit and started to really reach out and then it's the ball starts rolling because yeah. once you're doing that people are like oh well we want you to play because yeah and then other bookers and people Kids putting on shows, all ages, places are like, yeah, you know, oh, well, they're great. I yeah. like them. Come on and mm -hmm. play, and and we'll start doing that. And basement yeah. shows, and then weird mm -hmm. parties, and strange, mm -hmm. strange places that we start <laughs> to go to that are are interesting. Definitely yeah. some interesting memories of you know, yeah, some interesting. We didn't say no to a lot. No, we just early days. pretty much always go for it. That's a big step when you realize yeah. like I should turn some stuff down. Yeah, and we then. didn't we didn't turn anything down. There were things that we should have turned down. Yeah. But at the time you're just taking everything. Yeah, you it's can, like we want to you know, play. So yeah. we're gonna play. You and just want to play. If this is a chance to play, we're gonna do it. Yeah. And uh Yeah, and then as we started to kind of grow mm -hmm. and and get bigger, it just uh it was so much easier. It was yeah. I, I think there was a part of point of time that I think, you know, I saw I'll circle back around to the, the first time I got high mm -hmm. because I think what happened was, this isn't why, but it was like there was a point in time where shows were just happening and it was yeah. like, ah, I don't really have to do much yeah, right I'm now. Not, I don't have it's all these self perpetuating. Jobs. Yeah, so I think I'll try getting high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like in Boogie Nights where it's like, I guess I'll try this cocaine. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that's as much as it really did for me, but it was like to, to go into, um, yeah, and then just start playing. And it was like really exciting, you know, showing yeah. up somewhere and and just like play this weird show. And it was like yeah. so strange and cool. Yeah. It was like, well, let's talk we? about like strange and cool because... <laughs> <laughs> Unleashed the Bastards was amazing, but you kind of covered that with balls. Did talk about that with balls, You did man. Traffic Jam, and when you started yeah. doing Traffic Jam, I feel like I saw you in this whole new light where you were like a true entertainer. Like when you mm -hmm. were leading that band, you would do the flash <laughs> paper, yeah. and you would, like, you would wear a suit. But also just like the way you were singing, the it was music where like the vocals were like proud. They were like mm -hmm. up high and not hidden. Yeah. And and it was really cool to see. And I think that later when you like started doing the theater and the acting, that felt like a fairly natural progression to me because kind of our music culture was just like you're just like a band mm -hmm. and you're making songs and like 
the songs should be the thing that people mm-hmm. are hearing and and like the cool sound and all of that yeah and we would move around just like the way we felt like inclined to move around because we were we felt the energy of the music yeah but seeing you play was kind of like like he is entertaining the crowd like yeah. he's doing a thing yeah and i and i thought it was great i was like this is really <laughs> awesome <laughs> so did yeah. you feel like that was something you had to like decide to do or was that just the natural state of you fronting a band was mm. that part of your personality was going to come out yeah it's interesting like thinking back to even some of the stuff with like barnacle wolf in high school where i wasn't even fronting but just like really energetic i think i was just so pumped to play yes i didn't do musical theater Uh in high school which i think that is a progression that people start to go and but i didn't do any of that and i wasn't like really acting i did a few things Mm -hmm. with uh really early short film things but like never like i'm gonna go act or perform but i think it was just like i was so pumped to be playing and it was so exciting to like this energy of the crowd yeah like if i if i think about that just how much fun it was to like engage and just be like just totally unhinged Uh and and imbibe this this like exciting entertainer archetype thing that um that just kind of channeled i think it was just channeling something it was like tapping into something that i hadn't really uh explored that felt really cool yeah. and fun and and was exciting there's also a part of it that i think was pulling from the like um this person is a little mentally unbalanced uh-huh. and that was feeding into yeah. it as well mm-hmm. and so with that <laughs> um, I think yeah, I it think was like your pure energy, pure energy, out. very raw. That yeah. na- that now is more honed in, and like I, yeah. you know, you can, you can channel it and channel decide it to when like, to turn it on and yeah. turn it off. But but at the time, and I think this happens for a lot of performers and artists. You know, it's like it's hard. You don't know how to channel it, and it's the process of like, can you can you learn to channel this thing that's happening, and and will it self destruct or right. can you do it? And but it was mainly like just really exciting. Something about also what we're talking about the battle of the bands is like proving something to some the the, the crowd or the other performers would be like yeah. I'm gonna like take you to town here yeah like I'm gonna show you how to put yeah. on a show I'm gonna show you how to do a show here <laughs> and and then do that and I think that was exciting yeah where it was like there was an outlet for it mm-hmm. and maybe like you know I think we did cover this at one point but like the when there is like sexual re- frustrations, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. which we, I, yeah, yeah, we were we all talking about that. like, we were I want to play and, pen up and, and, and pen up here. And I'm just going to, you, you know, heart breaks. Yeah. Like you write songs about, and, and I'm not playing like the easiest songs to write or when yeah. you're heartbroken. Yeah. I'm heartbroken. I'm living this thing and I feel this so intensely. I'm, I'm, I'm tearing my heart out right here for yeah. you. I'm going to yeah. kill myself. Yeah. Well, like my, favorite songwriter has always been John Lennon and the thing that's amazing about John Lennon is you feel like he's just like pouring his guts onto the record for you and you get to hear it and it's so feels so pure yeah and there was something and even the songwriting with Traffic Jam was very impressive like you had written some songs for Unleash the Bastards and they were really cool Mm -hmm. and then I feel like you had some of those traffic jam songs and you would just play them. Like if there were an acoustic guitar, you could play them and sing them. Yeah. 
like yeah. thinking alone you i think you had <laughs> yeah, as like okay. a song you had written and that's such a great song yeah that's um fun. and but when you like put the band together you had all of these songs and it was musically i always associate it with um you know like late 50s early 60s mm-hmm. kind of rock and roll yeah. but like kind of through a punk like punk kind rock Costello Richmond Jonathan Richmond almost Costello yeah, was always all of like that pulling stuff, that the kind of channels yeah those songs and it was just it was really cool because it was very different than mm-hmm. what the rest of us were writing it yeah. wasn't punk but it wasn't like the kind of arty uh indie rock kind of stuff that we were doing in Raccoon and and which is kind of the source material for Dr. Dog a little bit as Mm. well Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah but yeah it had this like pure rock and roll songwriting which also kind of lent itself to that pure rock and roll stage presence yeah and it was just cool it was like it was it it felt to me, I'm sure it didn't feel as much to you like it came out of nowhere, but it felt to me like it just <laughs> got, kind of came out of nowhere. It was like, now there's this band. Yeah. And that was such a great fit with Raccoon. We did so many shows yes. with Raccoon and Traffic Jam, and those were really fun because yeah. despite them being musically different, mm-hmm. Raccoon had like an edge energy yeah. to it, and there was like some yelling, yell along parts yeah, in it, totally. and like some like heavy dynamic shifts where it got very like rocking yeah so those shows were always very fun yeah like the two who whoever played first whoever played second it was like the energy while not the same energy was a good match yes i felt yeah it was, and that was fun because there was no overlap at all with, I, and i don't think i felt that thing we were talking about during that time yeah at all because it was just like we play maybe still like we're gonna play really good and, yeah because balls no would always pop you up be like those. we're gonna get it it's <laughs> <laughs> like slapping your helmet yeah just ready to like really go and crush it and yeah. it's like you know it is it is like we're gonna go yeah for it and we're not the other thing is, like, this is channeling. We weren't playing sports that much at the time. Yeah, like, it's we kind of a little bit of jock energy. Jock, dude. Yeah. Jock rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, Gary Glitter without the <laughs> pedophilia. Oh, God. Jesus, <laughs> Gary Glitter. But that was... And then the teeth. Then the teeth come in the mix, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is just and this Yeah, just this they movement. had their similar, like, jittery, chaotic energy to it. They're almost a bridge, I would say. Like, I think so. They're kind of a yeah. perfect middle ground between Traffic Jam and Raccoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that three-band bill, that's pretty sweet. That was that was a lot of... That was a lot of fun. And at the, and at the time, again, looking back seeing the like yeah it's just it's such a sweet sweet time to remember Mm -hmm. and that that point of like just how present everything felt yeah it comes in again to this this thing of (laughs) internet wasn't happening the goddamn internet (laughs) the thing that was (laughs) <laughs> so I have an analogy I'll tell you if uh, if you see the analogy you can tell me if you see the analogy here yeah when I first when I went on my first date with Eliza we were hanging out she like arranged so we could go to this rooftop garden the secret rooftop garden mm-hmm. in West Philadelphia that only oh. people who live in that apartment building are allowed to go to yeah so we were up there just having this completely magical first date mm. and it was like an absurd thing to say but I was like 
I think we're gonna get, end up getting married. Wow! And it's like such an intense thing to say on a first date. <laughs> so what I say is like, it was very stupid of me to say that, but I was right. Yeah. And it's kind of how I feel about that <laughs> musical time. Yeah. Where like in my head I was like, we are great musicians. We are all we are making incredible music. Yeah. And again, I feel like that's very stupid for me to think that I should have had more humility. But in a way, it's well, I was kind of right because, mm-hmm. like, obviously, Doctor Dog has had this massive success, and yeah. so many of those people have made such great music. Yeah, and I just feel like, yeah, that was dumb, and I was just like, kind of being a dumb kid. But also, I was right. Yeah, <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> there was some of that going on at that time where it's yeah. like. I don't want to say this out loud, but are we geniuses? Like, are we just crushing it? And I don't know how to break this to you, but I'm kind of a big deal around here. But we're kind of, like, doing yeah. the best thing we could possibly be doing. And I don't even take credit for that. That was, you know, in, in you know, Scott and Toby are, are yeah. the true geniuses of yeah. Raccoon and, and obviously Dr. Dog. Yeah. But the teeth are geniuses. Like, that mm-hmm. band is unstoppably great. Yeah. And... Yeah, there was, you were writing incredible songs, the performances were great, like bands that are great live Mm -hmm. and the records are great, are pretty rare, but like, those shows were incredible and the recordings from those eras are still really cool to listen, I don't, you know, I wouldn't like say it's like the greatest thing you could possibly listen to, but... It yeah, was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. It and was. I think there's nothing wrong with us saying that was really cool and we were doing really cool stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And that's <laughs> fine saying it because it, it was. It, it came out of something that was that was pretty grand and yeah. and very talented people. And I know there are other scenes. I know there's other bands that yeah. I like that are also... Mm-hmm. They had that too. You yeah. Know? I think of maybe the... Uh, who is those that group the elephant six yeah the elephant like, six collective yeah like there's yeah there are groups of people Milk hotel and yeah. olivia tremor control mm-hmm. and all of those bands yeah um yeah they're those are great bands and they all came up together yeah. and they did really cool stuff but like we there is something and the, like omaha nebraska like mm. bright eyes and yes. saddle creek records those yeah. bunch of great music and great bands yeah. so it definitely exists other places yeah, I'm just saying, like, we had one of those that was one kind of, of those amazing things. things go. Seattle, obviously, in the yeah. early 90s, just yeah. a bunch of great music came out of one mm-hmm. very kind of specific place. Yeah. And it's even continued with, with Philadelphia, like, yes. just really great bands coming out of Philadelphia consistently yeah. over the last 20 years. I know. It's pretty cool. And I it's know. It's pretty impressive. It is really cool. It's it's pretty amazing to have that, that link and the history with it yeah and um kind of wondering like what what it'll look like in the future mm-hmm. I, I think about that because it is yeah, different it's now inter- yeah kind of what we were talking about earlier like do local scenes still exist like that and there are still like mm-hmm. artist collectives where people are going to live with each other and do different bands and do yeah. different art projects together but yeah it'll be interesting to see if like will a new one of those emerge at yeah. some point and part of it could be like what our age that we are we're very rock oriented like yeah. we're very rock and roll oriented and maybe we're just kind of like missing the boat on some like yeah. great 
electronic yeah. music that I, we just don't get because of our yeah. age range. Po- and, it is possible. You know, they're obviously incredible hip hop collectives, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where like you know the members of Wu Tang make yeah. their solo albums, and it's all great. Like they're ten classic great yeah. albums that come out of different iterations of this group of guys from Staten Island, you know? Yeah. So it's true. There's definitely stuff that we are blind to because we're just like white dudes who were born <laughs> in the late seventies and early eighties. Yeah. And we have our 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 lens that we view things through. Yeah. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see if there's like another yeah. little enclave that starts cranking out really great stuff you're like all the amazing stuff coming out of davenport illinois or whatever i don't even know if davenport's illinois yeah the poughkeepsie new york scene is really (laughs) crushing it right now yeah i mean that feels like a pretty nice landing pad yeah that's a nice covered it after that you moved to Tucson, kept it, doing great stuff. We kept yeah. doing great stuff in Philly. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the uh, that's the basic story. That's your, that's, your that's version the story. of the, the Rashomon that's, murder, kidnapping. That's it. That's the Rashomon. I haven't seen Rashomon in a while. I think it's a murder. Or Tombstone Rashomon, the movie, Alex Cox movie I'm in. There you it's, go. Uh, Even better. Yeah. Better than Rashomon. Oh, 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 could I say that? Oh. <laughs> Better um, than Kurosawa. Oh. Sorry, Kurosawa. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> We're um, ordinarily ranking the Rashomons, yeah. and you are number two. Oh, my God. But yeah, that was kind of it, you know, and being able to come back and forth. I was for years going back and forth a lot from Tucson to Philly yeah. after I moved mm-hmm. here. Cause yeah, I was still, still involved in the theater and the arts and music and, scene in Philly. Yeah, and that was that was really nice. Um, I remember one show. I do remember one show that we did. I was back for. I was back for a pig iron thing, but we did a Mitch fiction. Oh yeah, we did a Mitch shifts. fiction. Yeah, so Rory and I after, uh, after I stopped playing with Doctor Dog. Yeah. Rory and I started a band called Mitch Fiction in the Shits with uh, Rick Flom and Doug Kirby from National Eye and Josh Newman who's uh, been in a bunch of bands, American Altitude, I think like Midnight, a bunch of other stuff. Mm. Um, so we started a band, and it was called Mitch Fiction and the Shits, and we <laughs> we would never say who Mitch Fiction was. Yeah. So we would frequently do shows, and we would have a guest, mm-hmm. and the guest would be the guest Mitch. So like when you play <laughs> with us, you're Mitch Fiction for that night. Oh. And we would usually do like a couple songs that that person had written from other bands they were in. And then we would like do a cover or something and have them play with us on it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I remember on that show, it was at the Kyber. Mm -hmm. It was, it was opening for Dr. Dog. I think that's believable. I'm pretty sure. I wonder, Oh man, I think, although would they have been playing the Kyber? I feel like they would have been playing somewhere bigger. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it was just Mitch fiction and some other, some other bands playing, but it was like, I remember, uh, I remember we played Thinking Alone. Yeah, I did um, Many Rivers to Cross Bass yeah, the, while you sang the Harry Nelson, the Harry Nelson version, version which is yeah. fantastic. And then we did the Gary U.S. Bond's New Orleans song, and Jeff, Jeff Sobel, Sobel played, played saxophone. saxophone. Yeah, that was amazing. That was really fun. Yeah, that we was had great. some good guest Mitches over the year. Eliza was a guest Mitch. Really nice. Krill. 
Nice. Uh, Justin Sten, Zach Miller. <laughs> oh, we had some awesome. very good guest Mitches. Is there any Mitch fiction out there? Is there on the uh, interweb? Might be. We did a couple recordings. I think Rory has a SoundCloud page where mm. one of them is. We'll have okay. to get them together and, and put up a little band camp. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, that was great. We kept we kept the collaborations going. Yes. And we will. We will continue to keep the collaborations going. We'll keep the collaborations going, going on and on and on mm-hmm. and uh, ad infinitum. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what some of those Dr. Dog guys get up to. I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm very curious what's gonna what's Exciting. gonna be in store. You know, yeah. we 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 know a few things. We know that Toby's has an album he's finishing up. Toby's working on a solo album for sure, and yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah, it's exciting, and Scott has a I'm sure a plethora of, of good things, yeah, and Scott all the other put guys out are twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yep, <laughs> in a year. Yeah, it's exciting. Prolific. Um, yeah, this is it. This is it. This is it. I guess we'll just have to go back to being friends without the microphones. We're going to do that. We're going to keep hanging out now, but we're going to turn everything off and hit the uh, hit that stop button. So thanks a lot for being here, Andrew. This is so cool that we got to do this. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, my buddy. <laughs> All right. Ah, uh, the memories. 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 The memory bank is is full after that episode in a pleasing way it's gaining interest with all the pleasantries that we've talked about i will say you know at one point that the pirate house was was a very uh a lot of moving pieces in there and i would uh i would stay there at times when i wasn't living in westchester proper and i remember i'd always hope that um I'd be able to sleep in Andrew's bed when he wasn't there because he had the cleanest bed and the cleanest room of the house. I think that just is pretty obvious. So anybody can uh, can argue me on that point from that time period, but that's just how it was. So it was always very, very comfortable. And that was a fun little role reversal we had, you know, him interviewing me for portions of my life, my upbringing, tripping down memory lane, stumbling down days of future past avenue. What a wonderful time, truly. I hope that you're finding those wonderful times that you've shared with friends and loved ones and remembering them, basking in them, and as we are creating new ones. Stay golden, relax, enjoy, and smile. All right, folks, till next time. (laughs) 